Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best way to go interact or hypercleanstore.com check us out there great place nick uh i am opening a new belgium voodoo ranger ipa and i would like to say that something special about it other than i uh well i just had to grab whatever beers i could find left over in the the beer fridge here at hq so i'm going to cycle through some of that some of the uh that boulevard boulevard single wide ipa and i'm just going to have a good old time over here yeah, I know. We don't get any of that at the satellite store over here. So no, no, no it's we just... can't ship across borders. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, but everybody uh, can ship into HQ though. See, they send us beer to HQ. Yeah, all good. I but... know. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that. I didn't get any of the fruity pebbles beer you were drinking for like six no. months. Uh, all right, you buying or selling? I'm buying, and I'm gonna buy somebody that means business. And you know who I'm talking about. That guy that's walking around the Home Depot, the Lowe's, the Costco, <laughs> the 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 Sam's Club, the Walmart, and here's the guy. I saw him yesterday. I fu- I just love it. Phone on a clip and keys on the other side. Big unclipping things on his belt. Is there anybody more serious about getting things done than that guy? Like I, I love him. And by the way, it's kind of happening of all ages now. As I get a little older, you can see some 30-year-olds. You could see some 60-year-olds. The phone on the hip on the right hip. Cargo the shorts latched. Yeah, it could be in the warmer weather. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's otherwise it's like you know it's you know it's some denim. Mm-hmm. Uh I gotta tell you, man, they walk fast, they know where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm walking in home depot and those keys got, are just oh dude I, i'm walking in home depot and the weather's been terrible here so i'm gonna do some stuff around the house i gotta fix something at the house it's no big deal like i i had to go get like some epoxy whatever this dude comes storming down the aisle like you said keys phones ringing loud I mean, he's answering loud. Hello, hello. I'll go. There's nobody in this country getting more done than phone on the hip, keys on the hip guy. Period. Like, totally root him on. Because when you see him in the wild, it's 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 a crazy experience. It's like a I, safari at Home Depot. And then you go the next style over, and there's the people that have it on speakerphone <laughs> talking like this, like. Ah, or you know, or you know, ah. it's big. You know, it's big. Facetime. Is this the one you mean? It's like. Oh yeah, that's me. That's it's me. like, come on, man. What are you talking about? That's Get me. a clue inside Home Depot. No, that's the yeah, easiest no. way to do it. Like if you're at the grocery store, you can't figure out if you're supposed to get this one or that one. So you're just like, oh, fucking like FaceTime is just easier. <laughs> well, like I tell Jess, if you tell people that I don't get it, they're never going to believe you because that's just doesn't go with my name. She's like, what do you mean? You couldn't find it. I said it wasn't there. You can't figure it out. I said, if you want people to believe you, don't tell them that Nick can't figure things out. All right. She just get, gets so pissed off. If you guys want a great rebuttal to your, your wife, <laughs> if you want people to believe you, don't tell them I don't get things. That's crazy. All right. I'm buying also, uh, 
And I'm buying because, listen, you got to go, you, you got to just go into the moment of where I was at, where I realized what I was buying. So sitting in the stands, it's indoor soccer, okay? Here in the Midwest where it's cold, right? Not nowhere else where it's cold, right? Because everybody always does that, right? Like, well, here, it's, the way it's weather only cold is where here. I live. It only well, gets cold where I live. Well, I have an historic blizzard in Southern California <laughs> this weekend. It doesn't get cold there. So we're indoor soccering, right? And what always happens in indoor soccer season is the outdoor soccer teams come indoor to play and then they get merged in with all the recreational teams, right? So everybody knows that's the way indoor soccer goes. So it's always fun to have the, the teams that show up in a uniform than the teams that don't have a uniform. And that's how you know the difference, okay? Or the team that doesn't show up in the uniform. And this is what's been fun over the past years. It's just been great. I, I'm sitting there watching and, I, you know, I like seeing everybody get into it. I love seeing the excitement, everything going on. It's like, yeah, I, I kind of put myself in place to, to where some of these kids were. And it was like, man, I hated once you started playing at a certain level, like to play down, like it, you feel kind of good when you're playing down just so everybody knows because you're kind of like the top guy and you're like, yeah, yeah. but it's harder when you're playing up because you're not always the top dog, right? You're usually yeah. the low rung guy trying to make it. And I, I remember being a freshman in high school, finally making the varsity team mid season. And then I got called back down to, to go into the rotation for the JV squad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like horrible bore, feeling. Horrible, horrible feeling. feeling. Like yeah. horrible. Yeah. You feel when you're down at that level, there's a little of addiction though. Oh yeah. You begin to feel special. Oh yeah. Right. So I, <laughs> What's fun about the special guy is seeing him over into other areas. So everybody knows, which we've talked about it, right? Like we're hunting. A lot of people are hunting for content, right? We hunt too. Oh, yeah. We hunt and we start talking to people. We're looking for videographers. I'm interviewing. We're talking. We've had multiple people. It's been an interesting thing as Nick and I begin to explore the world of content and what a yeah. videographer is. And there's a lot of similarities of somebody that's just in a, well, service-based business. They're a, oh, yeah. making content for somebody else. And the different people that I've run into that feel special about their work Versus the other guy that's the pro, right? Like he shows up with equipment, a plan. We're going through walks, motions. He's got all yep. this stuff lined out. Whereas then there's some of these other guys that they just, they just think they got it. Yeah, no, it's, and here's the wild thing. The professional costs more, asks for more gets more. And so it kind of proves the theory. We talked to a lot of detailers when you're worth more, you're going to make more, but a lot of people don't know what it is that makes them worth more. And we're finding it out through, through something that's not even involved in auto detailing that we're involved in, in, in our business, like you said, which is how far professionalism really goes. But the guy that we choose to work with has put in the time has put in the money to the equipment. He's not just doing it out of the trunk of his car, so to speak, in the auto detailing world. He's shows up. He's got a plan. Being the professional and being the expert sounds easy on the internet. 
it's not easy in real life to be that. I think that's what we're figuring out, don't you? And it's interesting figuring out between the difference of dichotomy of what what sets one guy back a, a posit, a, opposite the other guy, right? Like, what holds this person back? And this is something you and I have not necessarily about a specific person, but we've had this discussion in our dialogue between you and I of, you know, is it genetics? You think is it that genetics that holds one videographer back from being professional? Yeah, I think all of those things are a really interesting, you know, reason, but I honestly think it comes down to a lot of people being an auto detailer or being a videographer, it sounds great. I can make my own hours. I can do this. I can do that. Everybody out there that's had success at this, and I mean real success, will go, yeah, you don't make your own hours. <laughs> yeah, that this isn't that easy, meaning it's kind of simplistic to run a business, but it's not easy. Uh, as I had today, a, a very deep conversation with a customer at, you know, four 30 in the morning. I don't love those phone calls, but you got to pick up the phone for this type of customer. He's that kind of customer. Great guy spends a lot of money. I think what it comes down to is, is again, yeah, genetics and those things and how people are built, but Man, well, you really the reason to... why I mean, but the reason why I bring that up is because that's the excuse that we hear. Oh, a lot true. of times when you talk to somebody that is in a situation or has a thing or, you know, like because I'm talking to these people and there's always the thing, right? As you you interview the guys that show up or don't show up, some of the exact same comparisons that we see that people complain about auto detailing, I'm seeing on this videography side. And oh, yeah. And when you start pressing on them or talking to them, it's, well, I mean, I mean, here's the fun one, right? Well, I just, I got ADD. Oh, I, yeah. My bad, man. I, yeah. Yeah. For, you know, I have a, a unique, it's like when you hear people say they have OCD, but they've never been diagnosed. Uh, I have a relationship with ADD that we never shared on this podcast. When I was in second grade, I was on medication at a time when that medication you remember was never given out. Hmm. Like you had to be called down to the office. Like nobody ever was on that medication. So I went through pretty much my entire life. I went through all the iterations, Ritalin to Adderall to Vyvanse to all that kind of stuff. And, and it bothers me when people blame that because, you know, when you have a medical condition at the age that I had it and what they found. And, and I want to be fair uh, to my parents because nobody knew anything back then. I mean, it was, it was really just not something talked about. You know what I mean? It's uh, I think you can relate to that just in our era, it was not talked about. So what I needed to do was skip a grade, which is what they would do to a kid. Now, like we have a family friend who was showing all the same signs and said, Hey, you maybe need to get him tested to move up a grade. That kid moved up two grades, fixed all of his problems. As a kid, you don't, you know, your parents didn't know that. So when I hear those excuses, I, I'm sympathetic. But my question is always, are you really? Or have you read something on Yahoo and you think you have all these symptoms and what it is is actual laziness and you just don't want to be focused, which is a big part of it, right? Right. We all have struggles, man. Like 
we all have a struggle. We we're battling a personality trait that we're battling against to, that, that could possibly bring down our business or our professionalism. The idea that none of us, that, that there's a guy out there that was perfectly bred to do business. That guy, that guy doesn't exist. There's an interesting quote that I heard years and years ago of, it was around the idea that your greatest strengths can also become your greatest weaknesses. Oh, hundred percent. Right. And vice versa. The way some people might view a weakness could actually then become your greatest strength. Oh, hundred percent. And hundred <laughs> percent. I, I, I didn't get tested like you, right? I, I don't really ever claim that. I, I claim more of, I call it MCS mental crackhead syndrome. Yeah. That's probably more accurate with you. Probably yeah, much great, more that's accurate. A great, that's a great thing. Yeah, because there's funny times like Nick and I'll be in a conversation. He'll ask me a question. I'm trying to think through things and I'll say something and then I pause and it 15 seconds later. I love how it gives me a, a, a breath to think through things because I, I just sometimes I just feel like a crackhead. Oh, like I'm just and mentally... let's, let's share this morning because I think this is interesting. This is why you guys listen to the podcast. He goes, hey, I've been checking on these one gallon containers. <laughs> and I'm like, what one gallon containers? He's like, you know, the one gallon containers keeps repeating it. Like I'm the fool. I go, Hey man, we got one gallons at the warehouse. Containers. What are you talking about? You couldn't get past container. <laughs> he goes, one gallon containers kept repeating it. I go, my guy, you got to stop. You got to stop. What are we talking about here? Now, mind you, I had just had a bunch of stuff with this client. I had worked with my guys all morning. I had just got Marty on the phone. I said, Hey man, what's going on? One gallon containers. One ga He kept like repeating it. Like he was a parrot at the zoo. And I'm like, Hey bud, what are we talking about here? This was like three minutes of our first conversation this morning. And I go, are you talking about buckets? He goes, yeah, containers, buckets, same thing. I said, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. I mean, come on, man. So yeah, the crack home, I do like MCS. Let's start using that internally. I'll, I'll tell the staff, Hey, we're, we're going to put that in email form. And, and whenever Nick gives me bullshit, I go, Hey, listen, man, Oklahoma's 48 out of 50 in education. So what do you expect you, getting into business here? It is what it you, is, dude. you know? I hear you. So it is what it is, but we've all had to either continue to work through something or eventually overcome it. Yeah. But I don't know if, too many things that I've completely fully overcome if it weren't for, you know, I guess beginning to realize them, begin to start thinking through them. The very first episode that I recorded was in the moment of complete disaster of my life. And ADD was just something I thought I should talk about. It got sure. me to start at least thinking through the idea that, Hey, Maybe I just don't have a mind that stays to your word is focus. Yeah. Right. And here, here's the interesting part is where do we begin to bring this all together? Because ultimately I had to begin to change as I was going to start leveling myself. I had to start changing the way I talked publicly. Oh yeah. Things Big that deal. I was putting out in content versus things that I was just dealing with on the inside. Yeah. And that's, that's a crazy part of, of our society because our society actually says push so much. And I did, 
I pushed a lot of my weaknesses, a lot of my issues out publicly. And now I go, wow, why? Yeah. Yeah. Because what you realize is uh, you're going to change anyway. You know, that's what ended up happening to me. You know, for those to finish the story, I, I finally said, I don't, I don't think these, these drugs are really healthy. Uh, when I could make a decision as an adult, I said, I I'm done with this. What I noticed is I had to, to go through some, you know, hardship internally, but I didn't turn the phone around and talk about it. I didn't do what everybody tells you to do is just create content for the sake of creating content. I'm telling everybody here because you guys are, are all, all a part of this hyper clean family, but it, you know, you're going to go through some things, man. Like you, you don't have to feel alone about it. You, you, what you, sh I think the healthiest way to look at it honestly is just know everybody's dealing with something and move on with your life. Yeah. There is no perfect scenario, right? Yeah. But you don't need to, to, to create content around every little thing in your life. Because I think ultimately what happens is you look back and you go, ah, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Wish I'd have done that a little differently. Wish I'd have said this a little differently, which is normal. But I think the interesting part is now you're getting into this internet content era, right, Marty? Like you're getting into this moment where so many people are being given such bad advice and it's leading them to put out content that, that actually is damaging, right? Could be damaging to their brand, could be damaging to them personally. I've told everybody that'll listen, you think jobs aren't looking at your social media and you're on there talking about you have mental health issues or you're, you know, you're not good at this or you're not good at that. Guess what? Fired, fired, fired. Like that's what companies are going to do. And so we have this world of content now where I think a lot of people, again, we can, we can kind of get into the fun conversation today about, you know, what we see in the content world, videography world, those types of things. But there's also just stuff that honestly is your battle just like everybody else has a battle, right? You know, Michael Jordan wasn't born and bred just to be a basketball player, right? He deals with a lot of demons. There's plenty of interviews out there where you can see, see the gambling demons and this demon he deals with. And it's like, this guy's the greatest living team basketball player that's ever lived. And guess what? His demons are gnarly. Like it's gnarly. I mean, people even think maybe his father was killed because of gambling debts. If, if for those that weren't around during that time, that's, that's a real narrative that could be true, right? None of us know, but if he's got demons, Hey man, we all got them. I mean, that, that, that shit's just, that's just the way life is. You think uh, Michael Jordan would have been concerned about uh, his reviews? <laughs> I don't know. He punched a teammate several times. So I don't think he's too worried about his Google reviews. No. Yeah. Uh, I saw an interesting, speaking of MJ, you know, there's this conversation right now, right? It's always, and it will be right. Then there'll be another, right. There's always these yeah. comparisons, right. Yeah. But we all know what that comparison is. And you look at that comparison and you see all these different other people that were around the King versus then it's like MJ. And he's just basically like oh, got yeah. a middle finger up because he didn't care about anybody. He only concerned about performance. It and he's never, only called, he's never called himself the best player ever. That's the difference between him and LeBron. Ooh. He answers the question completely different. You know what he says? I never got to play against Bill Russell. I never got to play against Jerry West or these people. I can't really call it. He was unconcerned about being considered the best ever. He was just concerned about his results, right? I think that's pretty telling. There's a lot of people that 
do care about reviews. Oh yeah. 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 Review I, game man is strong. Yeah. So we've kind of entered into this place where I think when you and I talk about the internet, we talk about it from a little bit of a different place because we remember when Yelp came out Ugh. and we remember how damaging Yelp was to businesses because nobody really understood the the review game, meaning from the consumer point of view. But I also say this. I, For those I think, that used the yellow pages and were in <laughs> business at that point in time and did think through things for a little bit and went Y-E-L-P and they had already gone through business with the yellow pages, they did not involve business further on with the yellow pages in the new style of their technology. But for those that didn't, they, they, yeah, it was pretty unfortunate. Yeah. So you had to, you know, you had this thing with Yelp, right? Like Yelp was a really, a, a really game changing moment. Right. And so now we had to start realizing that consumers had a voice online and it was damaging or improving your reputation. But when you went down that road and started playing that game, it was never ending. Now you were, were, were kind of, enslaved to always be in this review mode. And I think you and I can probably say this. I'll ask you this question. No, you saw I still have yet to download the app and I get really <laughs> pissed off. It's Apple, right? Is it yep. Apple that when you click on something it always makes you go to Yelp? You, I still go, fuck you. I'm not doing yeah, it. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. I've never left the Yelp review. I've never left the Google review. I've never done any of that. And I think one of the interesting things, Marty, that, that we can kind of talk about today is when you go down the review rabbit hole, what's that mean for your business long term? You know, I get asked this question probably as much as any when somebody will just say to me, hey, how do I get and start talking to rich people? How do I get the richest clients? How do I get these clients that I really want to do business with? And I go, I've never met very many of them that leave reviews. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to play a game they don't play and you have a, a car collector. I think you've been dealing with for well over a decade. Has he ever left you a review? I have never asked him to leave a review. Yeah. So when I talk to people about how to find rich clients, I always say the same thing. Instead of playing this game that everybody tells you to play, why don't you think about what those people do? If a guy makes a million dollars a year, $500,000 a year, $250,000 a year, he's in the top echelon of earners in, in the economy globally. I haven't met very many, and I would say less than 1% of those types of people that would ever find you online, that would ever go look at your website, that would ever go do any of that. And that proposes a really difficult issue, right? Like we end up getting a really difficult issue that we have to deal with in our industry as a service provider is what do those things really mean? A lot of times that means you're doing business with a certain level of clientele and it isn't the richest in your area. And I'd be interested to see all the businesses, you know, there, all the detailers you've known throughout the years. Is that kind of what you have found as well? <laughs> That's uh hold on, man. That's an interesting thing you just kind of threw out there. Have I seen that the upper echelon are the ones that leave the reviews or that they're the ones that are not? I would definitely say that the upper echelon are the ones that do not. I would say even the 
middle to mid upper class even don't concern themselves with reviews. And that was in the car wash world. Uh, you know, it was a bit more, you had some of that clientele, you know, if you're in that group, they do have some of them do want to check, but overall, and this is a suburb of, uh, Tulsa. So we're talking 200,000 ish in that town. And, uh, overall it was still mostly people was, Hey, you know, we heard about you. Hey, we heard about you. Hey, we heard about you or, Hey, we watched something or, you know, some type of interaction more than we didn't really hear anybody that comes and goes, Hey, we heard about your reviews. And so we're here, but that is the interesting thing because that's just something we hear about. You can look at forums to groups. You can hear it all over. I I know some even listening to this episode are going to have a little bit of pushback there, Nick, because they're going to go. Yeah, but those are valuable. Yeah. Having a lot of reviews puts me somewhere on this Google and Hey, I've got to be on Google here. And I know people look at my reviews. And so at every point I need to send them information so that they will leave me a review because I know reviews are important. It helps me climb this level inside the algorithm. I'll be on Google more. People will see that and it will portray an image. So I need to make sure every single customer gets hit on this level. Then they're going to send them here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, we're having a, a global conversation about this, right? We're not having this, this micro conversation. If you have found a way to get a bunch of Google reviews and not be invasive to people, I think that's great. You know, if you've just stumbled into a bunch of clients, but let me give you, let me give you three really simple examples. So the two detailers that I'd want to work on your car, if it was my car in this town, there are two companies, my company and someone else's company. And you know, the other guy, you and I, you and I know him well. He doesn't play the Google game. His website doesn't play the website game. And he's probably considered one of the elite shops here. And I'd trust him to work on my car. I also talked to another guy before this episode, who's in the Midwest, who works on Ferrari, McLaren, Porsche, he details, according to him, in the last 10 years, he's averaged about 3,000 cars through his shop per year. Busy shop, man. Really busy shop. He's got less than 75 Google reviews. So over 30,000 cars, all high-end, uber high-end, car collection type of clients, guys you want to be in business with. He's done 30,000 cars and has less than 75 Google reviews. So again, there's some of this where people want to give an opinion and I'm cool with opinions, but you and I see it factually playing different in the real world. You have a couple high-end uh, companies, you know, there in Tulsa who do a ton of high-end work. You would send your car there if you wanted to get high-end work and you go, when I look, Nick, there's not that many reviews, but then you can see that mid-level player who played the Google review game in your area, who's no longer in business. And all he did was search out five-star reviews, five-star reviews. And I can point to a bunch of shops here, some of which people would know for a variety of reasons who play the Google review game. The vast majority of upper echelon clients would not trust their cars at those shops. We have fixed a ton. The shop, the other shop that I trust, he's fixed a ton of those people's work. And so what you find is there's a limit 
to the type of person you're going to attract through the review system, that doesn't mean it's a bad system. It just means it's a system you're playing. And now when you play that game, you're always asking people for reviews. You're bothering them on their cell phone. You're bothering them by email. You're doing all of these things. And let's be honest, Marty, we can start talking about what the upper echelon clients actually do to find you. And I think that's what the most important thing is. Well, I've, I'm starting to go through the, the companies that I used to enjoy doing business with. For instance, I've got a pest control company that I've talked publicly. I enjoyed some interactions. Now, the amount of times they keep asking me if I'm happy to go leave a review, I just start going, fuck, I just, just fucking do your job. Like, just, yep. just do your job. I'm happy. Yep. Like, you'll know I'm happy because I didn't take it off of auto pay. Like, yeah, you didn't like, have I'm to already... call me for a payment. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And, and let me explain a job that I referred in Phoenix. So I have a buddy of mine in Phoenix. He was going to trailer his new Tesla up here, his new Lucid up here for me to work on. He goes, dude, I just don't want to go through the headache. I'm not going to keep these cars very long. I just kind of want to have, you know, I want to have some matte PPF done. You know, he called it vinyl wrap, but I, I got him off of that. Um, there's an interesting dilemma that people have in this world, which is how did this guy find the detailer in Phoenix where he was located? He didn't go on Google. He didn't go on Yelp. He called somebody he knew and said, Hey man, can you, can you help me out here? There's what the wealthiest people do. They're going to work through their network of people and say, can you give me a referral to somebody? So when this guy called me, it was a 10,000, roughly a $10,000 job. He was going to walk in with a band of cash, which is a great thing for a detailer. Like this guy was never going to be a problem for you. He was never going to complain. He's not that guy. And he got the referral from me. I set it up for him and said, Hey, you just find out the dates that work for you too. go to this guy, the guy we work with closely in Phoenix. And here's the funny thing, man, people in, in and around this whole thing that have money, they don't get names of people to do business with the, the way you're being told they do. They usually work through their network of all the people they know to find the pest control guy, to find the HVAC guy. We did a, an entire home renovation. This is my story. We did a, an entire home renovation. We did a backyard renovation on my house. Okay. We bought it uh, at, at a very good price and we renovated the whole thing. We didn't find a single contractor through online. What'd we do? Jess knew some people. I knew some people. We worked through who's reliable. Boom. Magically, we had zero issues with our home renovation, other than it sucks to renovate your home when you're there. But that's what people do. And, and a lot of times we discount how this stuff actually works because somebody's selling us some idea that Google reviews. And again, it works with the algorithm. There's reasons to play that game. I'm not against it. But if you want to be in the upper echelon people in Tulsa, in Vegas, in San Diego, in Ohio, in, in Texas, the funny thing is I have never heard the story. I built my entire upper echelon business off of reviews. It's never been told to me. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying it's pretty unique that I've never heard that story. And or survived. Yeah. that Well, I can tell you about the tent guy two doors down from me, and I think this is a really telling story. Been in this town a long time, has been tenting for close to 30 years. I think he has 1,200 upper echelon reviews, meaning four or five star. 
his his shop's been dead for three months and he's got to hope that the summer brings him enough business to sustain him and i haven't seen a car over there all winter time so what he relied on that 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 review system didn't really drive the business because i don't know too many businesses with 1200 good reviews and he's got them and he will go days and days and days without being at a shop but i mean here's the the it becomes so many so many problems right because all right i'm supposed to use because that's how there's some people that look at businesses and i'm supposed to do this and it's so confusing because I've also got to go out and do this other marketing. I've also got to do, and there's so many people that get really, really confused by the situation. It's huh. a lot going on there, man. Yeah. That's like yeah, crazy. I, I, I think that the customer today is probably as confused as they've ever been trying to find an auto detailer. I think online has made it worse for them. I know it's it's seemingly made it easier to find us technically, but if you were a customer right now, would you know what the hell to believe? Yeah, Lee, I see some and it's I I look at somebody's profile and I see motivational, then I see some random other thing over here, and then I, I just look at stuff and so many times and I wonder what are they really selling? If I was gonna go look at and which even some of the videographers, right? It was interesting to see where they would put what they're doing and then all this other stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's really a confusing time. Right. And, And I think as detailers, sometimes we don't, because we're so involved in the industry, we just think it's so simple for people to find qualified detailers, right? You just go online and they'll figure it out, man. It's really tough. And I don't think the review process is trusted anymore. I think most customers don't trust it. This Uh, would be a fun thing, right? To back up exactly what you're saying and putting it into perspective, go start searching videographers like we're doing in your town. Go try and search out some other service-based business and look through all the difficulties. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, you can have an HVAC company come out to your house. You can have a horrible experience. And you can magically go look at their Google reviews and it's a thousand five stars and you go, what am I missing? This guy just tried to sell me a brand new whole AC system when all I needed was him to do some service. And you go, how does he get all these five star? And now what you realize is, is there a game being played? Mm. Plenty of companies you can hire that are magically going to leave a lot of five star reviews that look like a customer that used your service. And again, as a detailer, you need to understand that stuff is happening. You got these companies that are being hired that leave all these reviews and you think, oh, well, I'll be able to tell. I don't know, man. There's people paying two, three, five thousand dollars a month to these companies. They're pretty good at it. And so it's it just become a place where I I have never personally bought anything because of online reviews. It's never been my thing. Uh, I understand that some people may do that. I've never find found people with extreme wealth to do that. And so the people that I wanted to be in business with don't do it. So I didn't worry about it. All right. So you never bought anything based on a review. And then I'm going to go knowingly because, you know, we did buy a really cool tripod off of Amazon 
And I did look at those reviews, Nick. So you did not uh, knowingly know yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. So th this Marty, is the interesting part of it, right? Like, yeah. for those that started with Amazon in its purity, you might have looked at reviews, but I never did. I, I never really cared for reviews until it's only about a certain couple of things. When we, the, the thing that people young now, like when we're talking about reviews, they always want to talk about, well, this is the new word of mouth because we all know, and this is, it's the golden nugget, right? It's that cherished apple that you can't actually get to eat is pure word of mouth marketing. And it's been sold to us that it comes through reviews. And here's the, the instant for those of you that don't remember, there was a time that maybe it's still going on. I don't know when reviews were pure, but then there was this rumor of a boat outside of California. Did you ever remember hearing about that, where there was a bunch of Chinese people inside of this boat sitting outside of California and they were hacking in to leave these reviews. And, and about that same time, I started learning that, oh yeah, well, actually you can start paying people. Oh, and there yeah. was a moment where you could pay people to oh, yeah. leave these reviews. And now there was this rebuttal and needing a verified purchase and this bit, right? Yep. So it's, it, 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 the conspiracy theory is actually, I don't know if I paid somebody on a boat outside of California. I don't know if I did that years ago, but there is a conspiracy theory reality to it's a bit of hocus pocus still. Oh yeah. And and there's no doubt people are getting paid to leave reviews. I mean, we deal with some vendors that, that have some people in that Amazon world and they'll be like, dude, the things these people are doing is just so next level, right? They'll, they'll have an AI chat bot go in and leave review. They'll have all this crazy oh, stuff. Yeah, happen. AI now is going to get crazy. Yeah. And, and, and here's reviews the Reviews are gone with AI. Now, yeah. Right? I, and I, and I, and I think what I cared about and I'm not saying it's right is, is getting in the heads of people that I wanted to do business with. And, and so again, if you're somebody on a personal level that loves reviews, believes in reviews, lives your life by reviews, then you should absolutely search out those types of people because you'll see eye to eye with them. Where a guy like me, I'm like, I know the system is kind of fake. I mean, I've had people tell me and show me, I left these two great reviews for you. They didn't show up. For some reason, Google flagged them. They wrote these two-page reviews on my business. It never showed up. The algorithm knocked them out. They did whatever the reason may be, okay? And what you find out is as you, as you dig into that world, and again, it's not about right or wrong, I didn't want to play that game. I just didn't trust the game, and so it didn't speak to me. And so to try to do business with people that don't speak to me, I would have found it very difficult to enjoy my life as a business owner. Now. If you're a person that looks at a review of a restaurant and that's the only reason you go to that restaurant and, and go to a certain bowling alley or go to, you know, that's how you live your life, then I think you could play the review game really well because you know what? You understand that clientele where I don't because what I understand is, is find, finding the great people that really, really wealthy people know about and doing business with them. And I can tell you, I've said this before. No stickers on their truck, no wraps on their vans. These are people that have been doing it 10, 20 years in whatever industry they're in. And magically you look around and go, that is not how the wealthy people do business. And it's not how the wealthy people in Tulsa do business. It's not how the wealthy people in Vegas or other places do business. And so again, wherever you're going to do business, you got to do business that fits that demographic. And there is a large demographic that fits the review game. 
But just know you're now playing a game that people rig, that people pay for, that people. And so are you going to play the game for real? Or are you going to be this other guy that, that, that goes, oh, well, I don't do that. Okay, the guy in your town that does play that game is going to whip your ass at that game. That's what's going to happen. But I have never seen a long-term business in auto detailing in Las Vegas that's played that game, that's stayed in business, that's done exceptionally well, that hasn't had a struggle. And, and, and that's what hits home with me. It doesn't mean it's right. I just wanted to do business with people that would never, ever leave a Google review. I've said that before here. And those are the people that I found and I searched out because guess what? When you talk to them, they don't bitch about money. They don't ask you what things cost. They don't, they don't nickel and dime you, which I find from the review crowd as you have found in your career. And so I just wanted to do business with a different class of people. That doesn't mean that's for everybody. I know one thing, man, it's a jungle out there, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. All right, Nick, have a great week, brother. We'll see you next week. All right, brother. See ya.